You're listening to Cannabis Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Elland. And before we get to our guests, just a reminder for listeners and new listeners who may have found Cannabis Health Radio, we want to say that Cannabis Health Radio rests with you, the listener. If we can get enough listeners making donations, then we can survive. If not, then Corey and I will reluctantly be forced to shut down this podcast. As mentioned before, We've made a substantial financial contribution to the equipment, the website, and our time, and we've only got a sparse return. Corey and I do this because we love bringing these stories to you. They're very inspirational. They're stories of people who successfully use cannabis to clear a fatal disease or used it to get rid of the pain of an ailment they have. Now, with governments around the world slowly legalizing medical marijuana, more and more people are looking at this plant for their health. We view our podcast as an educational tool for them to learn what others have done. But we can't do it without your help. Some donations have trickled in, but certainly not enough to sustain us so far. Our urgent plea is for listeners to go to our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, go to the donate page, and make a pledge either a one-time donation or a monthly contribution. We can't continue on this journey without your help. So make a contribution today. Our guest today was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer, follicular lymphoma, and bone cancer. That was 11 years ago this week, and she's here to tell her remarkable story. And joining us from Kentucky is Deb Cole. Deb, good of you to do this. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. You're welcome. I'm glad to be here. Tell us about the day 11 years ago when you went to the doctor and you were diagnosed. Uh, well, it was it was kind of odd. It was like uh, I actually had just been sober for six months, and uh, I was going in for a checkup, and uh, I found a lump under my arm. I wasn't feeling sick at all, and then I found a lot of little BBs in my neck, and I went in, and they said, well, they run some tests, whatnot, and it was stage four follicular lymphoma. And I, w- I didn't even know what that was. So uh, and they told me it was cancer, and they suggested chemo. And I had to really think about it because I'd, I'd known people that had, had chemo, and it didn't go real well. And uh, I didn't know if I wanted to put anybody through that or not. So I thought about it, and they 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 convinced me. Long story short, they talked me into it. I did six treatments, but in the meantime, I was uh, using cannabis, smoking it. I wasn't educated at all on the oil or ingesting it, anything. And uh, I just knew it was good for nausea. You know, they said, uh, you know, mm-hmm. which it it really did help. I mean, I I never gotten I never got sick. You know, I never threw up like I had seen people do on it. Deb, so, let me let me back up here uh, just a second. The doctors diagnosed you with uh, stage four cancer, follicular lymphoma. Exactly what is that? 
Well, it attacks your lymph nodes okay. and your immune system. They can't really. It's kind of like a non-Hodgkin's uh, lymphoma. Lymphoma. Yeah. Lymphoma. Yeah, and it's kind of like a. They related it to, as far as I know to leukemia type thing because it attacks your immune system and your lymph nodes. And they're like, well, there's, there's nothing we can remove. We can't take your lymph nodes out. You got over six hundred of them. So I did six chemo treatments, and to be honest, I don't even know what type chemo it was. How were you feeling prior to going to the doctor? I was feeling great. Oh, I see. Yeah, I wasn't feeling sick at all. I mean, I'd had times that maybe I was a little under the weather, and but, you know, it didn't, it was just like a, nothing serious you know what i mean i didn't feel like i was gonna die for crying out loud because they were like going from all the after they told me and i went home and i was looking and i looked it up and it looked like you know i was probably gonna die in a couple of months so and they it was four months before they started the chemo so i think they thought i was gonna die also and before they even started the chemo four months and then six chemo treatments, and I went into remission. But I also changed my way of eating drastically. How so? Just I started eating just uh, live food, vegetables and fruit, and I stayed away from processed foods. I mean, I just kind of went, uh, you know, and any kind of organic I could find at the time because it wasn't like it is now with organic 11 years ago. I mean, it was in California, which that's where I'm just visiting right now. We're traveling, and it's since I've felt better this last three years, you know, uh, this last year we got out and did some traveling, and we've come all the way back east and to see some family and friends. And it's like your your way of eating and your way of living has a lot to do with it. You know, a lot of people just you can't just do one thing and think that's going to cure you or make you better with the cannabis oil and or tincture i do the tincture and you you've got to eat right too you know you've got to take care sorry to interrupt um when you said you changed your diet was that a real drastic change for you it it was it it was so so can you give us some examples of what you would eat before okay you know mcdonald's (laughs) (laughs) you know just too much fast food yeah sugar Uh, probably lots of sugar too uh, lots of lots of sugar lots of sugar yeah yeah cut cut back on that not like i should i still eat a little sugar when you know i have friends that are like you still eat sugar and it's like i do so but in moderation i I in moderation yes in moderation Deb, I want to ask uh, you a question. Also, uh, Corey can respond to this. Uh, when the doctor diagnoses you with cancer, uh, just the word is terrifying. What does it do to you psychologically when the doctor tells you that you have cancer? That's a good question because it's it's like it's devastating. I mean, you're sitting there because they, he said follicular lymphoma. Okay, I didn't even. I'm thinking I can't even spell that. I don't know what it even means. And he looked at me and said cancer. And when he did, it was like I mean, your whole life is like after he said cancer. It was like I'd only seen his mouth move. I couldn't even hear what he was saying. It was like yeah, it just kind of your mind is like. Okay, do I am I dying? I mean, I don't know what does this mean. 
And then after they ran the test, they go, well, good news is it's a slow-moving cancer, but bad news is it's in stage four, and we're sure it's in your bones. And I'm thinking, well, there was not even any good news in there, actually. Yeah, where (laughs) is the good news? (laughs) Yeah, right. And then the next thing you know, you're going, you're, your regular doctor, you know, you're you're depressed now. Well, I wasn't really. I mean, I was upset. I was devastated. I wasn't depressed. I mean, I'd just been sober for six months. I wasn't sure what God had going on here, but it was like, it, you know, I'm just now seeing life, you know, with a clear head, and I'm you're telling me I'm going to die. I don't think this is going to happen. The the doctors are you're depressed, so we need to, you know, we don't want your anxiety. And before you know it, you're you're medicated, okay? Because you're afraid. You you got to believe it. I'm not a doctor. I never went to the doctor ever. I wasn't going a doctor going person, you know. If I got a cold, I got over it. If I got sick, I got over it. You know, unless I broke something like that. But you know, and it was just it was it was horrible when I think back on how I just trusted somebody you know that just would continue to give me medication month after month i would go in and go i can't take this any longer it just makes me feel crazy well i think you know deb i think you know when you're first told you're you're really in a state of shock and you are the 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 modality or the way they tend to treat you um is you've got to have chemotherapy yesterday like you've got to get on this right now i spoke mm-hmm. with a family last night for an hour and it's such a tragic story but um when when their mom was diagnosed they she started chemo the very same day oh my gosh and they i'm like oh know. my god you guys haven't even had a chance to digest this and you know sit back and you know you've just been hit by a train like you know give the person time to collect their thoughts and decide what they want to do, you know, instead of being pushed into this. And we hear this a lot, particularly coming up from the States, where um, doctors are really, really assertive about you starting treatment and starting it right now. Remember, uh, Corey, that we talked to Betty in Washington State, yeah. and she lived 15 minutes from the doctor. And by the time she got home, there were five calls from various specialists encouraging her to immediately go on chemotherapy. Yeah, chemotherapy and radiation. I think there was a call from a radiation center, and they continued to send her. They sent her registered letters, and they completely harassed her. That's that's just, I mean, and I, I've been doing research afterwards, like this last three years when I, like, woke up. What happened is I just woke up one day, and I was, like, over-medicating, and I was, I, I was already over medicated from the doctor and uh it's like when i learned what happens when they tell somebody they have cancer you're immediately worth at least three hundred thousand three hundred thousand dollars to start right out of the gate and that's before you have your chemo and radiation so yeah it's Mm -hmm. a big money Mm -hmm. business yeah and so they're just own people and they don't and they don't give you a chance. They don't tell you what this could do to you. You know, I did have, when I went in to take my first chemo treatment, and I think about it now, then I didn't know that's what was happening. The person that was getting ready to give me my first treatment said, you know, you don't have to do this. And I said, yeah, I know. They, they gave me the choice, and 
you know, I don't know if that was somebody that was like there going, oh, God, I wish I could just tell you you don't have mm-hmm. to do this, mm-hmm. you know. And if I would have known what I have learned three years ago, I would not have ever taken it. Because I just learned recently that odds are if you took any type of chemo, that more than likely within 10 to 15 years, that's more likely what's to take your life. Not the cancer coming back. It's the chemo, the, the side effects. Plus, I was on 14 prescription drugs for eight years. 14 prescription drugs. 14 prescription drugs from painkillers to antidepressants to antipsychotics. I mean, you know, they convince you that you, you're depressed and you're, you know, yeah, and you're not, you're not going to be able to handle this. Well, I mean, and then when you're on these, Deb, sorry again to interrupt, when you're on these, you're not thinking clearly anyway. No, you're not. See, so, you know, you know you, you're very accepting about what they're telling you because, you know, you're completely snowed with the medication that you're on. Right. That's what I was going to say when you said, you know, when they told me that and instead of them starting my chemo, see, I, I had four months to think about it. Mm-hmm. OK, do research that I didn't know what kind of research to do at the time because I was being medicated already yeah. because the minute they told me my regular doctor was like, Bam, and I'm on uh, antidepressants, all kinds of little stuff, and you must take these like they say. Yeah. You know, know, I think one of the issues that I really have um, with uh, physicians or people who are involved in the cancer industry is that you don't get told the full story. You don't get told (laughs) the full list of side effects. I think there's something like 19 different chemotherapy drugs that practically come with a written guarantee that you will have leukemia within two years. That's not Mm -hmm. mentioned. Chemo brain isn't mentioned. Peripheral neuropathy, lymphedemia, and on and on and on. And these are never mentioned to the cancer patient. And, you know, I'm speaking from my own experience. When I went in, I tried to nail this guy down six ways to Sunday and ask him what the long-term side effects were, and he would not give me a straight answer. I asked him several times. See, and so even asking, they won't tell you. Tell you, yeah. just like, the chemo brain is real, and I, I would imagine there's people that die because of the chemo brain. Might oh, even tons. I, I have a friend who uh, works for a neurologist, and some, she said something like 70% of his patients are patients with chemo brain. And there's been a number of people who have passed away. I was just in a fog. I almost got, I mean, I could have got killed. I mean, you would just, you just check out. When you're on chemo, it's like, you just like, all of a sudden, you're not even in touch with anybody for maybe 15 minutes. And all of a sudden, you pop back, and you're like, what the heck yeah. just happened? Yeah, you know, I think that people really don't, because of the state of mind they're in, and they're so desperate to save their lives, mm-hmm. they don't understand that chemotherapy is the gift that keeps on giving. This yeah, is, oh, yeah. You know, this is not going to be about you throwing up and losing your hair, and then it's going to all grow back and it might be curly. And you you know, know, this is know. it's going to go on and on and on and get progressively worse. Yeah, because that's I think that's my health is not a hundred percent like it should be now. I mean, I, it just I am so thankful for learning about the oil and the tinctures because uh, me uh, Rita, my partner and I, we were, we were just talking because of her, you know, uh, a fibromyalgia. I mean, it's helping her fibromyalgia, her rheumatoid arthritis. And uh, we were just talking, what would it be like 
this last three years, we've been off all of the prescription drugs. If we had not discovered this new life, so when I don't did you know first be having this conversation? Um, when did you first uh, run across cannabis as a medicine? You know, more so than just uh, smoking it. Like, when did you come across tinctures and oil, et cetera? Just a little over three years ago, actually, it was. Uh, I had decided. I, I decided I could not do the medication any longer, any longer. It, it was. I just woke up one morning, and I, I realized what was happening to my. I've lost. 50 pounds, none of my clothes fit me. I didn't even know they made size zero. And it was like, you know, this is crazy. This has got to be, you know, I thought the cancer was back. Okay. I thought, now I'm dying. It's back. I'm dying. It's been almost, it's been what, seven years, six years, whatever. It's back. I'm dying. But I had some blood tests done and they looked good and it was, I, it was the medication. The medication. And you probably, yes. you know, Deb, you probably were dying, just not of I, cancer. I was. It, was, it was killing me. It was killing me. I could not eat. I wasn't eating properly. And I just weaned my own self off of them. And it was not fun. I, I let no. you know. No, I, I don't imagine. Was, I started the research, to be honest with you, Corey, for Rita. She was, they had her own chemo pills for her her arthritis and I couldn't even have a conversation with her after a few months of that and I was like what is going on and I've seen what the pill was I was like well this can't be happening so the pharmacist told us how to get off of it and that's when I researched and when I've got to find out what to do and I've seen Rick Rick Simpson I've seen the the oil and at the time we were living in a little travel trailer in Southern California in the desert and I couldn't make the oil I didn't have I didn't want to blow myself up for one thing I was coming off the medication so I was having my days I'll be honest with you when the, the medication coming off of it can kill you if you're not careful. Deb, so, tell me tell me how difficult that was for you to get off the medication. What was what was it, life like then? It was horrible. It, it was the most horrible. I thought I was losing my mind. I hallucinated. I begged to go put me away. Just take me somewhere because I know they'll check me in. I'm losing it. I can't live like this. It was It was the most horrible thing in my life. It, it was horrible. It was more horrible than when they said, you got cancer. Okay? That's how horrible it was. But I, I guess, you know, I had angels and that's, it, it just, that helped me through it. And then, I, and but I found before, right into it, is when I discovered how to make the tincture. When I sing, it does, you know, if you can't do the oil, try the tincture. So I could make it. I made it with uh, organic vegetable glycerin, and we got it in Rita. And I started, like, I said, well, we're making it, so let's take it. And here we are. I mean, it just, she got, she's off of everything, you know. It's just, it saved our life. I'm telling you, it saved our life. Were you on still on the medication when you uh, started making the tincture? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And and when you started taking the tincture, tell us how it made you feel and what sort of reaction your body had to it. For me, I, I, I couldn't even tell that I had taken it except I felt better. There was no like 
high of any kind. I just, I felt better. I, I, my, my pain level was better. My anxiety that I had, I had acquired <laughs> thanks to their anxiety medicine and everything else was subsiding. It was like, I just felt, and I seen a change in Rita. When I seen the swelling start going down in her hands, when I seen that she was walking better, that's when I, I'd really seen it. When she said, this is helping me. Because, you know, it was, I mean, it just, I, I felt better. I, I, that's all I can say is that my pain levels and the, the medicine, it wasn't as bad like knowing that, I was getting off of it because it does a thing to your mind. You know, you think, I can't live without these pills, you know. I've been taking them for eight years, for crying out loud. Was it like the uh, the, the medicated fog was starting to lift? Yes, yes. I could see clearly. I could think clear. I, I, when I was doing more research, I seen that I was remembering things better. And it just... Life was improving immensely in every way. I mean, just relating to people was different. How long did it take you to get off your 14 medications? <laughs> oh, probably probably a, a year, if not a little bit longer, to completely, for everything to be gone. Yeah, well, you know, some of those you've got to be so careful about uh, yeah, you when do. you go off of them. You've got to wean and go really, really slowly. Well, you do, and, and Corey, you know, I don't mean to interrupt you, but now that you bring that up, that one point when they just, uh, right when we uh, was getting off, we had found a really good doctor that was just so, he was okay with the cannabis and everything. He uh, said they're starting to regulate the drugs now. And I was on two different uh, drugs. I don't know if I can mention names of drugs or anything. So, but yeah, you yeah. can go ahead. Uh, okay, I was on a clozapam, which is for anxiety, and then there was a flexoril is with a really mild muscle relaxer. And it was like you have to choose one of those. You can't have both of them because they both relax you. I'm like, are you crazy? I mean, they're nothing alike. He goes, I know, but that's what you got to do. Unfortunately, I chose the wrong one, okay? I, I chose to stay on the Flexoril, okay, because I just took it at night, and I thought I needed to get off this anxiety medicine anyway. Well, Rita and I both chose to get off of that at the same time. Oh, not a good decision. About two weeks <laughs> into that, it was a nightmare. We were like crazy people. It was like, oh, my God. And one day I was like, I know what it is. I know what is happening. It's that pill we quit taking. Interesting. And I looked it up and it said, you shouldn't stop taking this all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, think of it this way. If you two can survive that, you can survive anything. No, that's right. Hello. And that, that is the truth. It's like, I know everybody that lived on that lagoon knew about it because it, your anxiety goes and you just tend to talk really loudly. <laughs> so but, yeah you uh took you a year to get off all medications when you were off all medications did you feel you must have felt a heck of a lot better oh my god yes yes and the very you know when it was all over 
they were, you know, you felt like it was out of your system, and he's just, yes, I mean, I was fishing again, we were camping, and we were just doing all kinds of things again, you know, when there for a while, you just like you were sitting around just waiting to die or something. Because they said you're, you know, well, and you can't function anyway because, you know, you're too busy nodding off or, you know, going to sleep in the middle of a conversation somewhere. It's like there's no life, you know. No no quality of life for sure. No, there's not. And with with the tincture, I mean, you don't even know that you're taking anything except you just feel better. How much do you take of the tincture? Probably... I probably take at least for me. Uh, I would think a couple of grams a day. We do the droppers, so the tincture as opposed to the oil. I've not really been able to weigh it out because it's something I did myself, you know. So I don't know what's even in it. How I know what I make it out of, and I know that I take about fourteen drops to twenty-eight drops, anywhere from. Three to four times a day. Three to four times a day. But you don't really have, sorry, Ian, you don't really have uh, any idea what the um, cannabinoid profile is, what the level of THC or CBD, et cetera, isn't it? You know, I don't, not yet. You just, you just know it works for you. Right. I get it tested when I get back and I'll find out what the amounts are and try to average how much we take a day for our issues and let you know on that. That would be great. Okay. Yeah. Is it very easy for you to make the tincture? You know, it is. It is. It's it's not that hard at all. You know, I've I've told people, I've tried to give them the recipe, and I just, I had looked on there, and I've seen several different ways, and I just kind of put one way together. I just throw it in a mason jar, and uh, you you can Google so many recipes, it's amazing. And it's not hard at all. I mean, you, you can make it in 24 hours. You can have medicine. So can and you, you, know you, can you give a, just a basic description of what it is you do? Oh, yeah, sure could. Yeah, just take and uh, when, I, when I get whatever the cannabis is I want to use, sometimes I use just all trims and sometimes I put like the... All the flour and everything in, and uh, I take and I just uh, I, I kind of heat that in the oven for about that half an hour or so on a, like a two hundred, and preferably with a lid on it to kind of hold the vapors in. And then when you pull it out, just kind of let it sit there and cool for about a half an hour, and then take and just kind of crumble it. You don't have to grind it real little, and uh, just crumble it up, and you put it in a jar and. You got your vegetable glycerin. I'll order it online. It's a kosher vegetable glycerin. And depending on the amount, it's, it averages out about an ounce of glycerin to a gram of, uh, cannabis. You take the, for the first two hours, you, well, you put your, I, I do it in a crock pot. And that way you don't have to worry about it boiling or anything. And usually you can put your crock pot on even on high because it's really not going to boil. I usually set my little mason jar. I put like a little dish in there and then set the mason jar on that so it's not right on the crock in case the water does boil. That way it doesn't boil because you don't really want it to boil from what I've read to hold it in. And I keep the lid on the jar. I put a lid on it. And for the first two hours, about every 15 minutes, I shake it. 
And uh, then I put it back in. Then I just leave it alone for anywhere from 10 to 20 hours. Then I take and I just strain it through. Uh, you can use cheesecloth or you can use a knee-high or coffee filters. I tried that. It doesn't didn't work out for me too well because they, they burst. And then you got the flour everywhere. Yeah. So, yeah, so if you just – the knee-high is the cheapest, easiest way to find it. And I try to sterilize everything, you know, before I get started. So everything's real – and keep your area real nice and sterilized. And you strain it, and you have your medicine within a couple of days. Deb, take me back to the day 11 years ago when you went to the doctor and you were free of your follicular lymphoma and your bone cancer. I was getting well. I didn't have cancer, but I still was sick. So what was wrong with that picture? If I didn't have cancer anymore, why was I still on 14 drugs? Yeah, exactly. Yes. Because I was over-medicated. I should not have been on that many drugs. It made me stupid to where I didn't realize my doctor was going to Hawaii every other month. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it. Yeah, hello. And, yeah. Brought, and, and actually brought me a shirt back. <laughs> well, wasn't that nice? <laughs> when I, I, and did he say thank you for the vacation? Uh, no, she didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Do do the doctors, are they more accepting of the use of marijuana, cannabis now than they were, say, 11 years ago? I think they are. And as far as me personally, I've only seen one doctor in the last three years a couple of times. And that's the doctor I was telling you that was he he agrees with the use in fact i even gave him some of my tincture to try and he really liked it and uh he's uh, he's old school and really into uh, herbs and whatnot but he still prescribes drugs and uh that's the only doctor i've seen in three years so i don't know how they feel about it yeah no that's good you've got you're you're lucky you've got a good doctor yeah, well, like I said, it's I, I haven't even seen him now for probably a year. Well, the good thing is, uh, Deb, you and Rita are off your medications. Uh, you're taking your cannabis tincture. Uh, you're you're cancer free, and you have been for eleven years. Eleven years ago this week, is it? Yeah, it's how how weird is that? Yeah, happy anniversary. Yeah, yeah thank you. No, Glad that's that's good. Yeah, it's awesome. So, Deb, one last question for you. If, okay. If you, what would you say to a cancer patient that's just freshly diagnosed? Any I words of say, advice? Yes, I would say do your own research. Find out, you know, all your options. And, you know, it's a personal thing. I mean, you, you've got to think it through and listen to what people are saying right now. I mean, personally, if my cancer were to come back, there there would be no question that there would be no chemo because of the research is saying 98% of it is not effective and plus it will give you cancer. So I would say research is what I try to tell people because people don't want to listen to each other sometimes, you know. It's like, so do your own research 
and that way you can match what people are telling you. You know? Yeah, make an educated decision on what your course of treatment is going to be. Exactly, because then in the long run, the drugs are going to get you. Deb, thanks very much for doing this. Greatly appreciate it. Well, thank you guys for having me. Yeah, Deb, we very, very, very much appreciate it. And there you have it, another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. Wherever you are in the world, thanks very much for listening. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name's Kate, and I'm your host of the Pop Moms Podcast. I started the Pop Moms Podcast, well, because I wanted to end the stigma against using cannabis, specifically with moms, but also anyone who chooses to consume. I strive for a balance of humor and education, along with some pretty rad guests, to help combat social biases that come with consuming cannabis. Kids are hard. Join me for regular podcast episodes packed with parenting hacks, real-life stories, and of course, my favorite cannabis products. The days are long, but the years are short. So roll another J and take a deep breath. Keep blazing and stay amazing.